Appreciate it. What's up, people? I'm Jonathan Wiseman. This is another episode of The Grit. And today, I got a real good old friend with me. It's Renee Rodriguez of R&B Construction. R&B Construction, right? Yes, sir. R&B Construction. R&B Construction. And you're an earth mover, and you're going to tell us more about what y'all do with the business. Yes, sir. But first, it's been a long time. I want to thank you for coming on the show, bro. I appreciate the invite. Thank you. It's been a while. Um, I felt like I used to see you all the time, and I haven't seen you in a long time. So it's good, man. It has been. That was back in the club days. Yeah, I, how, how long ago was that? Well, shit, about ten, ten years, I guess. Ten years, that's no, a maybe long time. more. Eleven, eleven, ten, eleven, going way back. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. I got this scar right here, right around that, about two thousand nine. <laughs> right around that. <laughs> when, when you remember times by yeah, scars yeah, and shit, that's not a good yeah, thing. Not a good thing. Well, we gonna skip over those What's stories. That's another time. Already. Well, I want to learn more about R and B, so I'm gonna have you tell me about it. But I kind of want to go back and, and learn a little bit more about you. I mean, we know each other a little bit from the old school, but I want to dig in a little bit deeper and know who Renee Rodriguez is, where you come from, and all that good shit. So, let's take it back to the beginning, man. Where'd you grow up at? Okay, so I'm from Houston. Okay. I origin- I'm originally from Houston, Texas. My parents, you know, they're from here as well. Uh, I grew up out here. Um, at, when I, I left for a while, I was in the Marine Corps. And then when I came back, you know, I, I, I was in sales for a while and, and uh, for a long time, for about 13 years. And uh, I felt like uh, that, you know, that wasn't my calling. And then I got into the business I'm in now. Okay, cool. And we're going to dive into that, into the construction company. But you said Marine Corps. Yes, sir. First, thank you for your service. My pleasure. That's some dope shit. I mean, it's guys like you are the reason why I'm sitting in, you know, mm-hmm. place where I'm at. So well, I, I really appreciate that. My pleasure. Yes, sir. Uh, so what year did you go to the Marine? Did you go straight out of high school? How did, did that unfold? Where'd you go to high school? At? Uh, I, grad- I went to high school out here in Cyprus, uh, Cy- uh, Falls. Okay. Where I graduated. And, you know, I never thought about going to the, to the military. Never crossed my mind. And then one day I was driving. I remember it was right around uh, the time Columbine happened, right around that yeah. time. Uh, and I, just one day. I called my dad and I said you know what I think I'm going to go to the Marine Corps and he said really and I said meet me at the recruiter's office and it literally happened like that it wow in October I left in January of uh, 2000 I graduated in 99 so you went in October and three months later four months later mm-hmm. well, I guess that would have been five months you were off uh, yeah, well, October, November, December, yeah, three months almost. Oh, fuck, I can't even count. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's all right, <laughs> Yes. Yeah, Don't tell me. We'll, we'll scratch that shit out. We'll nix that. Uh, no, nah, I'm just playing. Uh, yeah, it was about three. I, it was back in the day where uh, you didn't have to be in MEPS, you know, the delayed entry program very long. I just signed up, did all my tests, and I left January, January 11th. Where did they, they, they fly you out to? Uh, I went to San Diego, MCRD. How was it on the way out? Uh, well, you what know, what was going on through your mind? You know, I, I have, I, for whatever reason, I can, um, I can't remember where I put my keys two minutes ago, but I can have vivid memories of, of. I can tell you what you were if you were smiling in a conversation we had ten years ago. I don't know why, and I can vividly remember myself being like I, I wasn't really worried about it. I remember, and then, like the third day, I got there, and I'm like, yo. What am I doing here? <laughs> the airport's right there. I'm sure I can make it across this field, and I'll be back in Houston. And then I started thinking, well, damn, my dad's never going to let this one down. I'll never be able to go home again. So I stuck it out and, and uh, went to Iraq and you know, made it back in one piece. How many years did you serve? Uh, four years in the Marine Corps and two years in the Army. And what did you do in Iraq? Uh, I was part of this. Uh, this uh, It was called Operation uh, Southern Watch. Uh, w- what we did was... 
the war started March 20th, uh, 2003, I believe. And uh, we had went over there like in November of uh, 2002. And um, we were part of a, uh, an advanced team. We were taking supplies from uh, Crete, Greece, down to Bahrain. And um, I went with like 10 other Marines and we went down the Suez Canal up into the Persian Gulf. And I remember we were sitting in the Persian Gulf when uh, George Bush announced that, hey, we're going to war with Iraq. And wow. said, rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. How were those times? Uh, you know, um, I, looking back on it, it was kind of, you know, it, it, the Marine Corps is like this, is uh, is like you love to complain, you know, but you miss it. And but out of 365 days, it's probably 285 of those days. You're like, man, I'm tired of this bullshit, you know, yeah. but it, 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 best times of my life. I was going to say, what were some of your best memories from those times? Uh, you know, I would I remember it was right when Lil John and the East Side Boys came out. You remember when that came <laughs> <Yeah>. out? <laughs> and we would go to uh, the, I was stationed at the first two years. I was up in uh, this place called Bangor, Washington in Silverdale. And uh, I remember, you know, in the Marine Corps, I was on a base. First off, it was a security, a nuclear weapons base. And uh, there was only 300 Marines there. And you're going to kind of in the military, it's just like you're going to kind of connect with who you would connect with at home you sure. know, on your time off. So we would go and uh, hang out. And I mean, no joke, bro. It'd be like 40 or 50 Marines in the club. And when that song, throw it up, motherfucker, boy. <laughs> the whole place would drop. Man, we'd act a fool. That's awesome. And I was like. You know, so those are probably some of the best times, man. Tell me about one of your scariest moments out there. Um, Was there ever a no shit moment? Yeah, there's a, there's a few. Uh, What's I, the one that stands out the most? I remember we were going down the Euphrates, and uh, some I guess they were insurgents or somebody was uh, shooting at us. We were on this boat, on this tugboat, and uh, the, the, one of the guys who, who thought he was the hardest guy, you, you, you know, he acted like he kind of froze behind the 50 count. You know, he just kind of stood there. And uh, we call it turtle fuck where you get a Kevlar and somebody else is wearing a Kevlar. You just bah, hit him on top of the head. Well, it, it doesn't hurt or nothing, but it, it'll wake you up. You sure. know? And uh, so Sergeant ran over there and turtle fucked him. And, and he still stood there. And he, he kind of and Sergeant pushed him out the way and he started shooting. And I'm like, yo, what's this guy doing on the cow, bro? You about to get us killed out here. But, you know, yeah, that that's one thing that stands out. But it wasn't. Uh, um, when you're out there, man, it's like um, the only thing you're worried about is like, yo, bro, I'm trying to get home. And I know you're trying to get home. So we need to watch each other's back to make sure we both get home. You know, yeah. that exact moment. And when, when times, when bullets are really flying down. Right? Yeah, that's a different type of brotherhood I've never experienced and yeah. Uh, yeah, can't imagine. Yeah, it's like I still got friends uh, that I was with at that time. We, we, we talk shit to each other on the phone, like we're, like as if we're in the barracks, you know? Yeah, that's to cool. To this day. Well, again, man, I appreciate your service. Thanks for doing My that pleasure, for us. man. My pleasure. So let's talk about your safe trip home. So you make it home. How old are you by the time you get home? Uh, about to, uh, 22, 23, I'm Okay, guessing. early 20s. Yeah, early 20s. Uh, and uh, I had a friend who was in the Army. So when I got out of the Marine Corps, I said, you know, let me, um, I kind of want to see what the difference of the Marines and the Army were. So if you're in the Marine Corps, you can go to any other service. And um, yeah, I, I think they'll pr promote you up. And you can go in without having to go to boot camp or anything. But you can't go if you're from the Army or Navy or something. You can't just go into the Marine Corps. Sure. You got to go to boot camp. So I was like, let me try it. So I went to the Army afterwards and uh, major difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you stuck it out for two years. Did you like it or major difference in a negative way? I get to this unit and, um, and 
I'm there. I'm a sergeant, and they say, "Hey, you know, you just can you give a a, a, a period of instruction?" This is what they call a little class. They get a period of instruction on on the weapon, the rifle. I was like, "Okay." So the whole uh, company—that's what they call it—the company was out there, and and I'm looking around, and we have specialists, and these are E4, E5, you know, higher up um, enlisted guys who are getting instruction on. I'm giving them an instruction on how to take apart an M16 and a bolt. And in my mind, I'm like, yo, this is basic knowledge right here. You yeah. learn this the first two days you go to boot camp, you know, because every every uh, body in the Marine Corps is a rifleman. So, but in the in the Army, it's a little different. If you have um, you're a medic, you don't need to go to weapons training, and so on and so on. So you, so a lot of them folks didn't know, and they were getting ready to go back to Iraq. And I went to my first sergeant. I was like, look, I'm not trying to get out of it because I just came back, to be honest. But I feel like if I go back with these guys, I might not make it back. And uh, you know, I remember her name. I I, I don't know. I don't want to say it. she went and wrote somebody. She's fine too. First sergeant, she went and <laughs> uh, uh, did something, and I didn't have to go back that second time. So I stayed back with the unit and. And I got out shortly after, and it worked out perfect. Cool. I felt like if I would have went back, it might have been a different story today. Yeah, if you'd have gone back to the war. Yeah, if I would have gone, especially with these guys who was a, like an engineer battalion. So it was like, man, <laughs> I barely made it back with these Marines who are hardcore. You know, we're in it every day. And now yeah. I'm going over here with these guys. Nah. Yeah, well, maybe that's a risk not worth taking. It definitely wasn't. I mean, it, it all happened for a reason. She got, I, I got, everything was good. You know, I stayed back and I would give classes and instructions to guys who were getting ready to blow over without teaching weapon safety and things like that until my time was done. So that's where they needed me to be. You know? That's good. Well, mm-hmm. so it, anywhere in there, you're playing a part. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, thanks for that uh, contribution yes, to us. Yes, sir. So you get back. Where do you head to? You head to Houston or where do you do? Where do you go when you get back? Yeah, I get back. I'm back in Houston. Um, and then, uh, you know, my, my, my dad has always been in construction my, my entire life. He was always a superintendent. And um, so I, I've been out there my entire life. And I went to work from him for, uh, I guess, two months or so, right when I got back. And then I got a place. And, and I, I, I remember thinking my entire life, you know, I, uh, I never liked working out there is like a laborer on the shovel sure. or you know because i always felt like i was wasting time i could be figuring something out you know and well you got to pay your dues and i did that my whole life so i did i knew i didn't want to do construction when i got back so i went into sales and i did that for 13 years what type of sales sold houses okay i sold houses and uh you know i sold i, I sold relatively speaking a, a decent amount some years and enough to buy me a house and uh, have a good life but i never um it was never like a, a passion or a dream or anything. Uh, so I was always doing it for the wrong reasons. And I, that's why I, I, looking back now, I felt like I was never uh, successful as I felt like I could have been sure. in that field, you know? Yeah. So do you, it was a stepping stone, right, though? At least you brought in enough income to kind oh, yeah. of get to the next phase. And then did that help you lead to what you're passionate about and getting into this business? Well, no. Um, the way that happened was um, uh, like two years ago, uh, I walked into my dad's office and my dad used to do he 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 left the company he was with and started his own business and started R&B construction. Okay. And um one day I walked into his office and uh he was rubbing his temples like this and and, and I said, "Yo, what's the deal?" This he said, "Renee, I I can I can I'm going to die in this seat. I can feel it. I'm going to die." So what was happening was 
he would do his estimating and he'd go do the work with it. You know, he'd act as a superintendent and then he'd do the billing and then pay the bills and all these things. And it was at first it, it worked out good for a number of years. It was him, six or seven guys. Uh, he had a couple of machines, a trailer. And he'd go out and do a bunch of jobs, make money, pay his bill. Everything was good, but he had to work around the clock. Yeah. And then it started to get much bigger. And that's when I had walked into his office. And and I and when he told me that, I you know, my wife, she's a, a, an, an auditor, like an internal auditor for an oil and gas company so she would go like to equatorial guinea or uh, israel and these places and she would audit oil wells so you know i i went to her and i said look uh we got to make it work but uh you know i need for you to quit your job and, and work full-time here because we got to we got to start setting his business up the way it's growing to be yeah. because he can't handle it himself. You got to be able to scale. Right. Do so, it the right way. Right. So for a while, no, this was three years ago. I'm sorry. So for a, a whole year. So all this was just three years ago. Yes. Three, and I well, guess. Well, he, a, yeah. He started the business uh, uh, 10 years ago now, but uh, three years ago when, you when I on. stepped in. Right. And, and that first year I was, let's say, um, 30%, 70, 30% in 70 still selling. Yeah. And my wife, you know, she went from making, you know, a, a great salary and all this and we paid her a fraction of what she was making just so we can start implementing processes and helping up and then this last year and a half two years is when i really was into it full force and that all happened by um i think a big change in me happened that uh, had to happen that would that ultimately set me up to be in the position that i'm in now because had looking back had i not had that change a year and a half two years ago then uh, I wouldn't be where I'm at in the position I'm in. Gotcha. That was something else. And I want to dive into what that change mm -hmm. was and hear that story. But first, for the audience, I want people to know what R&B construction is and exactly what it is that you do. Okay, so um, R&B construction, we specialize in hardscape um, and earth moving. So some of the, I don't know if you've ever been to uh, the Dunleavy or Lost Lake over there where on Allen Parkway where all the chandeliers. Yep. Okay, so all that hardscape in there, the concrete, the waterfalls, we did that work in there. We do that type of uh, hardscape work. We'll build uh, bridge abutments. And we'll also do work for like Harris County Flood Control District for the Hurricane Harvey disaster relief. So I'll go in and uh, rebuild bayou. So we cut out all the erosion and silt and um, we'll replace it with rock and clay and, you know, get it, uh, you know, by you could be this wide when we get there. And then by the time we redo our thing, it's this wide. So it allows more water to channel through when the hurricanes come. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that work, when you're talking about the fountains and the, the, the ones that look cool with nice aesthetics. Right, right. Are all of those for aesthetics or do they all have a purpose as well? And y'all just try to make it look pretty. Yeah. So what happens is, you know, architect for a, a developer, the, the architect will design it and then we get the, uh, the plans per spec and we kind of uh, where we come in is we take that blueprint that the architect has designed, you know, such as those waterfalls there. Um, and we bring them to life and it's all set by elevations and grid point gps points and things like that gotcha and how much of this you know we we're talking earlier about you weren't passionate when you were in mm -hmm. sales and in real estate and now you're in this mm -hmm. is this something that you feel that you're passionate about you love what you do or is this a job uh yeah so when i did sales um 
I, I, it wasn't passion. It was money, pure money based. Um, I would get a, a thrill from helping folks, of course, but that's not why I went to work. I went to work because I would always see well, how much would I make, you know, that type of deal. Um, but now when I wake up every single day, it, it, it's not even uh, it's not even comparable to the feeling that I get um, and from what it was. So it's absolute passion and um, I don't know if uh, it's a little bit of neurosis in there uh, you know there's a lot of things involved but I think that um, to, especially in my line of work in order to be in the position that I'm in I, you got to be a little bit of a crazy, crazy as well <laughs> so it's absolute passion I feel you mm. and how much of that is like playing in the sandbox game when you're in those big tractors and earth movers yeah. <laughs> well my operators um, you know we have uh, some big track hose one of my machines is called a long arm uh, the boon on it's about 60 feet alone and 60 feet just the boon yeah Damn. yeah yeah um, so my operators they've been on those machines one of my guys has been on it for 32 years wow uh, I mean he could could pick up an apple off your head so I, I typically don't mess with that side every now and again on the weekend i'll mess around with them but i i, I don't get on them too much yeah. yeah it's always fun to get out there and play a little bit. it is yeah i got some videos of my little boys in the in the machines yeah well let's jump into the the, the financial side of this i want to talk more about the business for aspiring entrepreneurs that you know are looking to get into construction possibly moving earth or getting into concrete work and mm -hmm. other things what type of investment does somebody need financially to be able to get in this business i I know when i drive by and i see the big tractors on the truck or on a job site it's like how the hell does somebody afford a half million dollar tractor right you know do people start by renting them or do you know what is that process like or if somebody wants to get in this business where the hell do they start okay so um you know this business is uh is real uh, it's, it's it's i say it's always say this is 10 times harder than selling a house in the sense that there's so many moving parts and so many things can go wrong that you really have to find a, a way to position yourself to where well i'm not putting that much upfront money up and i can i have this niche area to attach myself to somebody who will and trust me to do that work for them and if you can't somehow get your machines into that agreement then you you find you shop the 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 different um, uh, rental places and you find the machines that you absolutely need and then you put that into your fixed cost and say okay i know i have to do x amount of concrete or x amount of earth moving to pay for this amount every single month and you really have to watch those numbers and do it every single day you know because they're a lot, you know i know uh, it cost me about 9000 a week in machines, just machines alone, not including payroll or anything else. So you do that times four, I mean, do the math, and it times 12. So you know you have to do X amount regardless. That's saying nothing goes Yeah, that's wrong. just uh, not even break even. That's just to cover the equipment. Fixed costs, fixed yeah. costs. So it's not, you, you, the best way to do it is, uh, I found for us is to, is to, and let's say you know nobody in this business. I, I think about this. I'm like, well, you know, if somebody really doesn't, no concrete or no hardscape or no this type of business it's not something you're just going to go start and do you have to have some experience in it sure. you know so the best way to do it would be rent machines and try to attach yourself to somebody who can help you with those things 
so I'm assuming starting small and slowly work your way up. Yeah. Not yeah. just knowledge wise, but budget wise. Oh, absolutely. There's so much is uh, so it's so important. Uh, your estimate, your numbers and your budget. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you, you know, you're talking about your wife took a cut. You obviously took a cut to go into mm-hmm. business with your dad. Your wife being an auditor, mm-hmm. did she actually audit the company before y'all made the decision? Uh, no. Well, no, she didn't. Uh, it was kind of one of those things which were like, um, Either you, you have to do it because, uh, you know, my dad. He, it was do or die for the family business. Do or die, yeah. So you did what you had to do. Yeah, we did it. I commend mm-hmm. that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so. So working with this, what has been, I mean, having that type of overhead, you know, you're talking 30, 40 grand a month just to pay for the equipment. You got your other overhead, your employees, your payroll, the mm-hmm. staff, anything else that you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're close to a six-figure overhead a month. Yeah, you know, um, uh, with me personally, not to get into uh, too many details, it's close to about uh, eighty to a hundred thousand a month. Um, you know what? What I what I found for myself and our business is that uh, where we're really good at is getting in doing the work and getting out so what i negotiate up front is i tell my gc's like look you guys are a major construction company you hire me to come in and do the work and and, and again they know the work that we do it's, it's a small it's a small world everybody knows everything you, you know the work that we're going to do and how we're going to do it right but let me use your po's uh to buy all of the material and then when I submit my invoice to you, because I'll also negotiate a net 15, because in this business, uh, a big problem is getting paid. Sure. So sometimes it's net 30 or net 60. Well, by the time next 60 comes, or th- yeah, I've already spent that money four times. You know, I've yeah. already spent that. So you're always paying catch up. So what I've changed, I've restructured the business to where I'll say, look, you hire me to do the work. The job is 500,000. I'm going to track every invoice and we use this system called Basecamp. I'm going to track every invoice. I'm going to track every ticket and I'm going to reconcile it with my invoice that I turn into every two weeks. So let's say you owe me this uh, two weeks, uh, $80,000. $30,000 of it is material. Well, instead of me having these POs and, and owing these vendors and, and these things, you pay it and take out the 30000 off the eighty. So now you only have to pay me fifty. And you have still have a month or so to pay that 30 back to your PO anyway. Yep. So they, they love that. But the, the reason why I can do that is because they know for a fact that I'm not going to miss a receipt. The work is going to be done exactly like the blueprint says. And I, they know that I don't care who you have that works for you. Show me who they are. And I'm going to show you why I'm going to work harder than they are. Yep. And they, that's why they do it well obviously you've had to build a reputation you've sure. got to do good work you got to, to right you got to have that behind you to back you otherwise nobody's gonna give you shit absolutely well, that's amazing that you've been able to build up mm-hmm. with that type of overhead i mean have you had some oh shit moments like with you know uh, for almost every week for a year every friday you know uh literally when payroll comes i get it every friday and um somehow or another bro the 11th hour I always make it happen I always make you know I just we did I tell my wife the same thing I call it miracles every yeah. day we're making miracles even back in the club business it was every day making miracles happen well you know and it, it's important to me like I and sometimes I'm too you know my wife is uh, she's not gonna sugarcoat she's not gonna give you praise she doesn't give praise too much so when she does give praise it's it's valued much more but the thing about her she's a realist as well where i'm at i'm so optimistic about everything just how i am and i can't help it 
that maybe sometimes it, it can cloud my judgment. It'd be like, no, it's going to be fine. No, it's going to be fine. Well, she's there to tell me that, um, you know, it's not, you know, relax or whatever it is. But I look at it like no matter what happens, you're going to have those bad times. So every time we get a little victory every day throughout the day, you got to relish in that victory because I guarantee yeah. there's going to be another L somewhere around the corner. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. How's it working with family? It's hard, man. You know, um, but I think that um, it's doable. It's doable. You, everybody just has to know their role and uh, stay in their lane. Right. And I think if you run your business and you put in the work the way you're supposed to, you shouldn't have a problem because people generally see, well, hold on. Yo, it doesn't matter that Johnny's my cousin. You know, he's the boss and he I see him move all throughout the day. He doesn't fuck around. So I'm not even going to think to go in his lane. Yeah. And if you treat it that way, then you shouldn't have a problem. Gotcha. And we were talking about some deep shit earlier that I really appreciate. Tell me what happened a couple years ago that changed everything for you. Okay, so um, I felt like when I was in sales, I, I think that it, well, for me personally, and the type of house and the type of houses I sold, uh, a lot of things are are based off of uh, what you see and uh, who has the nicest this or that. And I realized what would happen with me would if I when I was in at that time in my life that if I was right in something uh, and I knew I was right, then when I would respond, it was almost kind of with like a passive aggressive kind of with little, maybe a little witty arrogance. And one day I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, that's not who I am. I really, I shouldn't be like, number one, I shouldn't be like that. Well, that transpired to a lot of things where I thought the things that, that because I wasn't doing wrong or I wasn't arguing or I wasn't doing these things that, I'm not the one in the wrong when, when I would act the way I would act with my wife or whatever it was. And one day, you know, I was um, acting like that and, and I was just getting into this business where now I, she, the passion has changed, but it's not all the way changed. But she sees that and she kind of sees that. But I hadn't fixed myself internally at that time. So one day she's standing on the porch or, or on the driveway and she's like, you know, Renee, I think I might be done. And I'm like. She never had said nothing like that to me before. And it was all based off of the way that I thought that I was right in some of the things that I was doing when in reality, I wasn't right. But I just didn't know any better. Yeah. And and I felt like, well, if I don't, if I go to work hard and, and, I, and I treat my family good and I don't cheat and I don't do these things, well, how am I in the wrong? Well, that's way more you have to do. I mean, yeah. you know, as a husband, all day, every single day. So when that happened, it was like, bro, I swear to God, it was like one. Um, you just had an epiphany. Epiphany, bro. I mean, literally. And I told it hit me, and I was like, you know what? If I don't change, then I'm gonna lose the most important thing to me in my life. And all because of my stubbornness and not willing to understand. Now that it's presented in front of you, and now it hit me that day like that. That yo, you're wrong. I'm wrong. So, but I never knew I was wrong. Yeah. And then when I found out. I admitted it, and, and I, I literally, bro, changed everything about the way, every single part of my way of thinking and way of acting is changed. I and completely get it. I mean, same thing with my wife, mm -hmm. and, and part of it is you're a product of your upbringing, mm -hmm. and the way that I was brought up, and the way I was raised, you, you thought, know, yeah. broken home, older brothers, I live with my dad, they live with my mom, you know, he worked bell to bell sun up right, to sun right. down I raised myself I didn't know any better mm -hmm. so I had two older brothers to look up to and took their advice as being the word right and 
I was a fucking idiot. Well, well, to be fair, you know, they're only going to teach you what they were also taught as well. I mean, if if your parents told you this was the way it is your whole life, well, you're going to grow up thinking that's the way it is. And and so but then you get to a point where it's like, well, hold up. That's not the way it is. And I'm yeah. not going to tell my sons that it, it's like that either. You know, I sure. need my sons to understand that. Well, it took me having a strong ass woman, me my too. wife coming into my life to whoop my ass into shape. Oh, yeah, man. And to really more so than that, though, to really educate me. Right. I learned so much from learning from her, her family. Sure. And, and that environment and that surrounding a good Christian family. Sure. And it took it wasn't easy for her. <laughs> no, not, man. I give that woman some damn credit for putting up with my dumb ass. Man. But I learned so much from having a strong woman by my side. So I completely mm. get it when you speak about having one. Yeah. And it takes one to put you in check. And then once you let that go and you're able, and it's still, I'm still working on it. Mm. You know, oh, me all too. my oh, shit ain't, me trust too. me, it's, it's still a work in progress. Every day. But that's when you really get to start enjoying life. Right. So, you know, once you really start see and a lot of it has to do with it's one thing to say hey you know i said i was sorry or i said this or i'm not going to do this but you really have to do it it doesn't it doesn't matter that you got to look at it from somebody else's perspective it doesn't matter that it used to that this little thing bothered me and then i thought she was the one in the wrong because it bothered me no that's not her wrong that's my wrong i if i fix that for myself She's not going to want to do whatever it is that bothers me. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's hard. Like you said, every day it's a work in progress. Yeah, for sure. And how is it working with Pops? How's how's he doing? Does he love having y'all around? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So my dad is crazy as hell, man. He, uh, you know, he's uh, boss, boss. So I try to put him in a spot where like, hey, you don't do anything except when we need something triple verified. We need your set of eyes. Then you come and make sure. And then other than that, you go have lunch and go do whatever it is you do throughout yeah. the day. <laughs> Already. Who, who are the customers for R&B? Is it the city or is it contractors? Mm-hmm. You, I mentioned, you mentioned GCs earlier. So do you work for a lot of general contractors? Mm-hmm. Who is it that calls you and how's your phone ring? So um, the way it works is um, I, a lot of my work is done with uh, general contractors. Uh, I'll go, I do work for Harris County Flood Control District, um, the Woodlands Development, uh, the Woodlands Township, Houston Parks Board. How do you go about getting those accounts? Where do you meet these people at? How do you um, get the leads? Well, to be honest, uh, Junior, my dad, he, uh, he, he construction, commercial construction business is uh, like the good old boys. Everybody knows everybody. Yep. Um, and you're all, you're based off your reputation and the, your quality of work. So when I came in, I kind of, uh, I was trying to got grandfathered into it right and uh, the way it's always been set up was uh, a sub would come out there or a gc whoever it was would do the work they'd buy all the material they turn in their invoice they get paid in 30 days well like i mentioned earlier to shift all of that i had to come in and really prove to these gcs like oh we don't do things like that no more we do it like this and it's not going to be wrong and um and now those same gcs that were introduced to me uh who we all worked with before we still work for them but now we do the earth moving side because that's a new part of my business and so explain the difference and what you mean by earth moving so the hardscape side is uh, uh concrete we build retaining walls uh dams a bridge abundance anything hard concrete uh the earth movers they uh they do anything earth move wise i will dig out uh like literally digging and moving moving earth yeah we'll go uh dig out lagoons uh lakes uh we do all the bayou work uh harris county flood control district uh that type of stuff 
All right, real mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. And so that's the latest. How long ago was it that you added that to the portfolio? <laughs> well, so as I mentioned, uh, I came in and uh, I kind of took over a, 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 a bad situation that I was trying to help get out of, and we we're trying to figure it out. And I knew. Like, I know we can do more. We can do uh, to get ourselves out of this. We've got to cut costs and we got to find ways to save and be faster and do better. But I know we can do more. So I got to find out how we're going to do it. So long as we have these think tank sessions where uh, my wife, in fact, she uh, thought of this idea. We would go in a few key employees in the office and we say, OK, give us ideas on um, how you feel like you know somebody that may or may not need our service. Well, one of my employees, she uh, said, hey, I know somebody who works at this uh, big general contractor and uh, project manager. I can probably get you an interview. Long story short, we met them. Um, they offered us the Harris, because this Harris County Flood Control District work just got approved. So he said, hey, do you know how to do this work on the uh, the bayous? And I said, yeah, yeah. I know, we know how to do it. We'll take the contract. After us meeting them twice, they offered us this contract. It's a couple million dollar contract. Um, to do that type of work, I knew that it was going to take a certain skill set, and we had nobody. We only did hardscape. But at that time, uh, I told them yes, and we accepted that contract. And I said, I need six weeks to start. It was uh, August 1st was the start date, but I said, give me till August 12th. And they said, okay, fine. So now, once we got that contract, and I, we were originally going to send it to one of our earth movers who does this work type of work for us. But he said something the first week after we got that contract, we're, we're buttoning things up. He said something to my dad that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And what was that? Um, he, he said to my dad, he goes, hey, you tell Renee I'm not starting shit until I, uh, he signs this contract. And I had spoken to him like maybe an hour before that. And he didn't say we, we everybody know we all know that. Uh, what the deal was. And there was no reason for him to say that, number one, to my dad. And number two like that you know I, yeah. I looked at that as almost kind of like condescending right yeah um so i said i'm not using him but he's the only person we knew who knew how to do this type of work and we were going to sub that contract out to him so I said, fuck it i'll start my own company doing it well right so um i said junior we're not using him my dad i call him junior i don't like to say dad in front of everybody junior we're not we're not using him and he goes well who are we going to have do it and i said well we'll figure it out we have five weeks left but we'll figure it out so my other general superintendent, he, we're on the bayou and we're looking. He goes, Renee, if you're asking for my recommendation, I say we don't do this job. It's, this is not, we're biting off something we don't do. Because it's very meticulous. There's a lot of stuff that has to go right. You have to read measurements and GPS signals and things. We don't do that work. I said, no, 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 we'll, we'll figure it out. So I'm driving down 529. And uh, right where I grow up, uh, Attic Sexuma, uh, the, the, the first bayou in this country, the, well, one of the first bayous that was uh, a bigger one that was being worked on, happened to be on my way home. So Junior, in fact, he goes, hey, you see those guys working over there? I said, yeah. He goes, that's what we're doing. Maybe you go talk to them. I said, you know what? I'm going to go talk to them. So the very next day, I, I, uh, I was driving by. I passed up the site, in fact. Then I got to the next light, which was Jackrabbit Road. I made a U-turn. And I said, no, nah, let me go back over there. And the, the reason why it's relevant is because... I'll tell you in a second. I drive onto the job site and I see them guys. They're doing the exact type of work, the exact work that we were going to do in this contract. Mm-hmm. That 
the day before, let me say this. I said, Raw, wouldn't it be something if I could get all that riprap, which is rock, all that riprap and those guys on the Bayou and Hollister? He goes, ha, wouldn't that be something? My uncle said this. And I said, man, but I got to figure out how we can do that. So I drive on the site. And I say, hey, uh, who, who, who's in charge here? And the guy goes, well, I'm the on-site uh, superintendent. What's up? And I said, look, man, I'm going to be open with you. I don't. We got a contract that's coming up in about four or five weeks. It's, it's this exact type of work. I don't, we don't know how to do this type of work, but do you think you have time to consult with me or maybe help me until I figure out how to do it? I have a few weeks to do it. He goes, you know, I was talking to my wife last night and um, um, I, we were thinking about me finding some side work and making some money on the side. And I said, well, you know, God led us to me because yeah, I need you on the work. side. I need you on the side. He goes, all right, let me think about it. I, I still have the video because he was showing me certain little tricks. He hopped in my truck. Long story short, we built a rapport. He hopped in my truck. I said, look, in the meantime, I got to make a showing at the bayou before I can officially start. on the. F I'm officially supposed to start on the 12th. But I can go over there and maybe put some machines there, put a porta potty there, do some things there to show like I, we're making a presence because they've already granted me the two extra weeks. I'm supposed to start on the first. Do you think you have time? And I had another big job starting too. Do you think you had time to maybe on the weekends or so, uh, your guys come and I'll pay you cash those days? Long story short, I had I had I met with him four times. The fourth meeting. I knew, and he had done some work for me on the weekend. I paid him cash. He made a showing for me. He's done very well. The fourth meeting I meet him, I knew going into that meeting, I said, look, because he never made a commitment to me to come work extra on the side for me. Sure. He's just helping me. So I said, look, I need to um, have him some sort of commitment by this meeting when I walk, because I was meeting him at Taqueria Landas on a Saturday. He had gotten off work. I need to have some kind of commitment from him when I leave this meeting. So as soon as I got to the meeting, I told him, I said, you know, heck, so, so I said, look, I don't want you to think that me giving you extra money on the side to work, it, I can solve any problems that you have with money. It's not about that. But if there's something I can help you, I'm pretty resourceful. Let me know and I'll do my best to try to help you because I thank you, Renee. I thank you. We eat, eat lunch that day or um, we were about to leave. And I'm like, fuck, man, he hadn't committed to me yet. So as we're about to leave, we're in the parking lot. He's, he's standing by uh, like an older SUV. And I said, hey, man, what happened to your truck? He goes, oh, Mr. Rene, don't, don't laugh at me. Don't laugh at me. But um, uh, the day that I met you, the first day that I met you, on my way home, somebody hit me. They uh, T-boned me. And it totaled my truck out. So, you know, I'm dealing with the insurance. that The people didn't have insurance. It's been a big old mess. And he didn't go to work for a week at, or for three days after that day. So had I gone the next day, I wouldn't have saw him there. Yeah. Remember, that's why I made that U-turn. So I said, so he goes, look, man, let me show you my truck. I love this truck. So he showed me a truck. And it was like a 2005 uh, Dodge Ram that was totaled. He goes, man, I love this truck. I said, look, Sosa. He goes, yeah, I'm driving my wife's SUV because it's, um, it's been real hard on my family, but we're making it work. I said, so, so look, I have that exact truck at my yard. It's a 2007 um, Dodge Ram. Uh, I was about to give it to one of my subs for some work. We were going to do like an exchange, but he messed up on the work, so I still have the truck. If it's going to help you and your family, you can come pick up that truck tomorrow because I appreciate everything you've done for me this far. And if you can just... You can come pick that up and you can take that SUV to your wife and if it'll help your family. And he looks at me and he takes his glasses off and he goes, you would just let me take the truck? I was like, well, yeah, because I, I trust that you're going to help me. Yeah, you can take it, if, especially if it's going to help your family. Sure. And he goes, he kind of looks down and he looks at me. He goes, um, I'm going to put my two weeks notice in on Monday. 
Now, he's a superintendent for a major construction, way big, way bigger than us, you know. Yeah. He's been, you know, when you're a superintendent, you know, that's a, kind of a hard position to acquire. You don't just get Yeah, it, and it's hard, you know? harder to give up. Exactly, but especially I mean, when you're doing making good money. Yeah. So he said it right there on the spot. I'm going to put my two weeks notice in on Monday. And I looked at him and I said, let's do it. So, but he says to me, Renee, I need, we need the, my crew, all my guys, the operators. That's the only way we're going to be able to do it. I said, okay, bring them. And if they don't come. He goes, well, I don't know if they're going to come. One of the operators had been at that construction company since the original owner opened that company 27 years, years, 27 years ago. Damn. No. Uh, so he goes, I don't know if they're all going to come. I said, look, it'll work out. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Well, up until the Sunday. Bef- okay. So uh, he, he put his two weeks notice in on Monday, like he said. Um, the two weeks note. Okay. The two weeks notice that he put it in. Exactly exactly from that day was august 12th was the day that i told them start 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 date so and the sunday the 11th i got a phone call because i didn't know this entire time and i told him don't worry about it he's like so so he's like i don't think they're gonna come blah 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 there's six of them i don't think they're gonna come but i said well don't worry about it i got you we'll figure it out he's like all right all right he believed in it and i'm walking in church on sunday the 11th august 11th fact check that day august the 11th i'm walking in as i'm grabbing the door i'm opening he calls me he goes hey renee i said yeah he goes they're all coming they'll be there tomorrow 7 a.m so that day i'm like ha thank you jesus that's god's work for sure so monday morning uh my guys are there august 12th they're working the inspector who inspects for harris county uh knew that i needed till the 12th later i found out that he said that um i had every intention of showing up august 12th he said, I was going to give you till noon. I had every intention of firing the sub that was on that bayou. But when he got there, he saw that it was that crew who had closed out the other bayous that had only been done since that, all this work has been granted from Harris County. So he said, when I saw that crew and I saw the amount of when I, he said, first I walked up and I saw the amount of work that had been done in that five hours since 12. And then I looked and I saw sosa and that crew and i'm like i turned around immediately and i was like i know we're good and then i thought to myself when i got in the car how the hell (laughs) are they working for you now (laughs) i said well that's a story for another day yeah and it happened like that well man i'm I'm, i appreciate you sharing that story because it's you know that's what real entrepreneurial spirit is Mm -hmm. that's what it is it's sometimes it's just those last minute miracles right that happen it's god's work it's being at the right place at the right time and you know if that (laughs) wouldn't have come through if you wouldn't have met that crew if you wouldn't have made that root turn uh the Mm u-turn you know how fucked up of a situation could you have been you know that was ballsy you took a big fucking risk by taking that contract and it all worked out yeah yeah and you know in okay so before i had met hector and and did that that's the same rip rap i mean that's the same crew that when i was driving and i didn't even know them i didn't even have the idea to go talk about you at that time that's the same crew because when I remember, I would drive down 529, and I look at that bayou, and I would see those lines when he would cut, and I would think to myself, "How the fuck is he cutting that? So this fuck is so good." I could, <laughs> I would look at it, and it was eye level, you know, like a straight B line on that bayou. And that crew that I told my uncle, I said, "Man, what if I could have that crew in that riprap 
that's the crew that I got now today. And I have one. Oh, bro. That's amazing. Yeah, bro. yeah. That's amazing. Congratulations on all Thank your success. You, and I do appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah. If there's somebody that's looking to get into this business or construction, what would be one bit of advice, one good nugget that you would leave with them or tell them to think about? Um, <clears throat> I think that um, the most important thing, uh, two things for me personally, the most important two things that I... Um, feel somebody needs to have to open up this type of business or to lead men the way you have to in this business is you have to do everything with sincerity like everything that you do is for the personal gain of somebody else it's not for me it's not I, I you have to think that way and you have to be able to push yourself when nobody else is able to push you and people tell people say this all the time like yo um Man, you know, um, when you really love what you're doing, it's not work. But I'm not in that category. I'm in a category where I can't stop. Like, yeah. it's so much passion that I wouldn't know what, I, that's what pushes me every day. And you have to be able to have that love for this type of work to do it because there's a lot of times you're going to take L's. And I take them every day, every single day. And, I, and I'm not nowhere near where I want to be, where I know we're going to be, but I know for a fact that, because I did it yesterday and I did it today, where I'll walk into a GC and say, look, let's say we did four million, that's where we kind of always stayed. Well, I'll walk into a GC yesterday and I told him, I said, look, let's partner up together and I'll go tell this company who won a $50 million job, me and my uh, uh, GC, we'll do 40 million of this work or give me a contract that's 6 million or 15 and we can do it. I know we can do it. And we never even were venturing into those waters. But yeah. I, the only way that the reason why I know is because of the, the dedication that everybody on my team puts in every single day because they see me doing it. That's that passion, that work yeah. ethic and being a good leader. Yeah. You have to put them before yourself. And what's the second thing? Um, you have to, um, well, the first thing I said was sincerity. So, sincerity and that passion gotcha yep sincerity like my guys know that i'm never gonna let them down so that's why i feel like they don't mess up on a blueprint or something because it's disappointment like how am i gonna disappoint somebody who they're never gonna disappoint me and that's how they that's how we treat each other i love it man i'm gonna leave it on Thank that you. note right there yes, brother sir. i appreciate you coming on i appreciate you guys having me absolutely ladies and gentlemen this is renee rodriguez with rmb construction you need to move some earth this will be the magic call <laughs> we'll put his contact information below i'm jonathan wiseman this is the grit appreciate y'all tuning in if y'all got some value out of this be sure to click that subscribe button hit the notification bell you'll be able to continue seeing us appreciate y'all tuning in we'll see you on the next one take care guys hey, hey.